Welcome back to another edition of New Mexico Rising. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Luis Sanchez. He's an Albuquerque native, sales executive, and business owner. He is also the Republican gubernatorial candidate. And we're going to have a discussion with him about his solutions to what ails New Mexico. Stay tuned. Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be speaking with Luis Sanchez. Raised by a traditional Hispanic family in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mr. Sanchez went on to become the first of nearly 40 cousins to graduate from college, having studied business, political science, and communications at the University of New Mexico. Over the last 30 years, he's parlayed his education into a career in management and sales and now works as a rep for the medical technology company Medtronic. He's also a part of the ownership group for Caliber's Shooting Sports Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mr. Sanchez campaigned in the Republican primary for U.S. Senate in 2020, but ultimately ended his bid, citing lack of name recognition as the biggest problem, but admonished his supporters by saying, this is not the end for Team Louis Sanchez. He's currently running for the Republican gubernatorial nomination, and we're looking forward to hearing more about his proposed solutions to everything going on in New Mexico, as well as his aspirations for the future. But before we get into the, any of that, I guess we've got to deal with what is on everybody's minds, including ours and the production team and everywhere else. Thad, you and I have talked extensively, uh, be it on other shows or behind the scenes here, about these federal vaccine mandates and lay it on us about how you're feeling because it definitely directly affects you pissed um i'm pissed at the process i'm pissed at the overreach but most importantly i'm kind of pissed at myself right we all wanted to reinvent ourselves in 2020 and i'm pissed at myself because last year i didn't put myself in a financial position to resist and now um because of that failing i'm possibly going to put my health at jeopardy but Let's kind of break down like the mandate in and of itself from OSHA. It's unenforceable at the federal level. So I think everyone getting kind of wee-weed up about it. Mm -hmm. There's a bureaucracy involved with uh, proposing a rule, putting that rule out there, having people comment on that rule, stuff like that. All that is kind of just kind of governmental minutia to cover their rear ends. But realistically, from a federal level, that it's going to be a long time before we see anything big from that. But However, states have that right. And the institutions, public and private, support this wholeheartedly. They are the branch COVIDians. They're devout, they're zealous, and they're absolutely relentless. Why? They have control of all the bureaucracies, every commercial entity. So there's nothing that can be really done about it right away. They've kind of become a slave to this myth of the unvaccinated being the chief factors of spread which isn't true. 
and that the Delta, the Delta variant as a mutation is a result of not enough people getting vaccinated, not here in the States, in India, yes, but not here in the States. Yeah. Um, so these institutions will enforce this, not because of a law. They didn't need the Biden administration to say this. They literally just, they're, they're, they're down with it, right? And this yeah. is how they'll attack. Um, the president's speech is basically made, was made specifically to provoke. Mm-hmm. And it will lose in court eventually. However, um, this basically just continues to put the last nails in the coffin of uh, national social cohesion. Um, but there's a broader concern about this, right? So particularly we're going to discuss here about like how it's going to affect like workers here in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been kind of harping on this thing because I've been reading a lot of articles and I didn't come up with this term, but this is called the great, uh, there's this thing called the great resignation. And it's basically people having learned from the last year that, you know, work work life balance is much more important, pursuing what you want to pursue, making yourself financially independent, because a lot of people, not a not a bunch, but a lot, were considered non-essential, lost their jobs, and were forced to live off of the dole. Um, so even if you enforce this vaccine mandate via backdoor, coercion, OSHA, whatever you want to use. Say you get to 80%, 85%, 90%. Um, you're not going to get there, I'm, yeah. I might add, because we're already, from a one-dose perspective, 75% of the adult population is already, you know, vaccinated, at least at least inoculated with one dose. What do you think the other 10% are going to do? So, and of those of us who have to bend a knee, inevitably, how productive do you think we're going to be? Yeah. So, uh, I'm saying, like... You've irreparable. You just caused immense damage to the employee employer relationship going forward, and I honestly think that's by design. Um, and the left's accelerationism um, toward this global reset um, is going to—they they think they're going to build like utopia from the ashes, but I don't think—I don't think it's going to be the outcome they think is going to happen. And there, there are way more consequences to this even if this never ever sees the light of day. I think that's fair. I think, you know, now's as good as any time um, to really think about what it is we're doing. Um, I know in my own life, I've got to look at my businesses. I'm not at all interested in enforcing any of this stuff with anybody that works under me any way, shape or form. So when you talk about the resignation, I mean, for me, it's it's basically here. You they have drawn a line in the sand and that I cannot. I can't cross over. I will not. It's not going to happen. And and, you know, as an essential businessman, you know, obviously plumbing, for those of you that don't know, I've run for years. Uh, you know, I see no interest for me or any of the guys I've worked with, the guys that have worked with me and around me, they're all very angry at this. You know, their attitude is, is that they were put out in the field and dealing with this for the past, you know, almost two years now. And now you're telling them that they need to do something to keep people safe or keep themselves safe or anything. I'm telling you right now, these guys don't want to hear it. And it's going to cause problems. And like you say, they may take it and they may keep their job. But if you think productivity is going to increase because of this, you're dreaming. And everything's going to get more expensive and it's just going to continue getting uglier. So we'll, 
that's that's kind of my end on that too. We'll kind of pull back a little bit from this, and we'll go ahead and get our guest on, Mr. Sanchez. How are you doing, gentlemen? Thank you for having me on today, and uh, thank you for getting my blood boiling too, because I've seen that from so yeah. many ends, as you guys know. Um, Sean, you hit it right in the head. I mean, your your business is essential. My business was essential last mm-hmm. year, as you know, when she tried mm-hmm. to close businesses. And I think we all know what happened when I told her basically to go pound Santa, I wasn't going to close calibers. Yeah. You know, because just like you gentlemen, I mean, she's never invested. Our governor's never invested her own money in a, in a, in a business. She's never had to sit there and trust new Mexicans to support that business. And so, she, you know, it, it's interesting as a, we say, I'm going to fix my camera here yeah. too. No, that's fine. To um, take shops from, shots from the cheap sheets and that's what she was doing from the cheap seats it's easy for her when she received a paycheck and her administration received a paycheck every two weeks and she gave her administration raises but she wanted us to go to our employees and saying guess what oh you guys need to go home for public safety because you're not essential mm-hmm. well you know as i as i've said to everybody my business is essential my employees are essential so that's why we refuse to, to close and and you know, I, I feel strongly about the vaccine because since Road versus Wade, what happened to my body, my choice? And that's what it should be. Nobody should ever be mandated, ever, to put something foreign in their body that they don't want. Mm-hmm. But that's, um, that is, you said it right. They, so many people are on unemployment right now. So many people are collecting unemployment benefits that we become almost a socialistic, communistic state with the fact that the government now holds the purse strings. You know, you wear a mask or, you, or you're not going to get your checks, get a vaccine or you're not going to get your checks, get a vaccine or you're not going to be at your job. This isn't what this country's about. It, it's just we're getting to the point now where, you know, it's been said so many times over history. This is the tipping point. We're on the edge, uh, whatever acronym you want to use. But this is truly it. And they're pushing it as far as they can get right now where we are giving away our civil liberties. And at some point we need to push back against government. And that's, I mean, and the nice thing is that's what our constitution allows us to do. And we as voters and citizens of this state need to remember that she works for us. You know, she isn't a, she isn't a queen. She isn't a dictator. She's our governor and she's supposed to govern. She's not supposed to dictate. So sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. No, no. (laughs) That's the whole point of this. You know, at some point, you know, we can let's 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 kind of pump the brakes just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit, or we'll um, just keep going on this. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing: we've got we've got plenty of time uh, to to rip into all these issues. There's there's been some interesting things, even with the uh, the merger with P and M with Iberdrola oh, yeah. and Avangrid, and I definitely want to get your take on that, Avangrid. <laughs> but um, you know, let's let's like I say, let's pump the brakes. We'll kind of relax just for a minute. Why don't you tell us a little bit? about you know your new mexican experience because i mean you read somebody's bio it only it only says so much so kind of give us your journey to this point in time where you're now saying well i guess i'd better run for governor (laughs) sure so um well you hit around the head i grew up i started if everybody knows where the aquarium is in the in the valley you know right there off rio grande and so that's where i started life at uh, we had a small little trailer right outside the aquarium. Actually, you run straight into it when you drive out of the aquarium going north. And the the cool thing about living there is um, is that there was a village in behind our house. He woke up every morning to the smell of bacon and pancakes. And, <laughs> uh, but that's where we started. Um, you know, my my father 
my father came from the South Valley, what we call like the South Broadway or San Jovadio right there on Broadway and Stadium. My mom is from Borales right there by the zoo. And um, so they, we grew up as a typical Hispanic family. And, uh, you know, my father was changing tires at Sears and, and my mom was a cashier. And so yeah. we, but you know what though, we were brought up, I guess, as 90% of every Hispanic family, you know, we were brought up with a love of God, a love of family, respect for both. And the fact that, that we worked hard, that's what we did. And my, you know, it's, that's why another one of these situations, I'm going to go off a little tangent. This, that's why it gets my blood boiling when I hear about critical race theory. Yeah. Um, because, and being one of the only Hispanics in the race, of course, I always get asked about that. And I give my same response. I think it's a bunch of crap. You know, my parents didn't bring myself or my brother or my sister up to be victims. They didn't. They brought us up to that if, you know, if we wanted to go for the, the golden ring, then go grab it. The American yeah. dream's out there. And that's how we were brought up. But, um, um, without digressing. So, well, no, yes. digress. But, <laughs> so, so we just kept going, you know, we worked for everything. I had a job since I was 13 years old. Uh, I used to clean toilets and mow yards at putt putt for anybody who was around here way back then. And, um, worked my way through high school and how I became a Republican. I always get asked. And it's, a. I remember my dad being Hispanic, lifelong Democrats. That's all they were. And, but my dad loved Reagan. And I remember I was 17 years old. I graduated from high school early. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college. So my father brought me in and said, listen, mijo, I want you to listen to the president and his Reagan. And he was talking to Hispanic um, high school kids in California. And I remember it hit me to this day. I still remember it. it's not where you start. It's where you finish. And that this country allows for anybody to grab the American dream, no matter how hard you work. And it inspired me. And all of a sudden, I turned around. I, and my dad's all, what'd you think? And I told him, it's like, I think I want to go to college. And he looked at me and he goes, college? He goes, I just wanted you to go get a job. <laughs> and so I, so I did. I saved, saved as much money as I could. I worked through college, um, which was uh, so beneficial to me. I learned how to do construction, landscaping. Um, I was a line cook. Oh my gosh, waiter, everything. But when I was in college, that's I used to wash dishes at the sororities because if you wash dishes, you could eat lunch and dinner for free. Mm. And uh, I actually met my wife washing dishes, um, which was funny. She didn't think much about me at the time. <laughs> but three years later, she did. And so I oh, married. Well, that, that was a good come up then in three years. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but you know, so many great things happen, of course, when, when you just go after the American dream in college, I was, I had the opportunity to volunteer for Senator Domenici, worked on his campaign. And then I was, uh, got picked to be one of his interns up in DC. So right out of college, I went to DC, worked for Senator Domenici, then public affairs in the USDA. And then I came back to Albuquerque cause I just love the state, always love the state. And, uh, started my medical career. I was able to um, get on with a medical career. And then now, almost 30 years later, I implant pacemakers and defibrillators all over the state. And so that's what I do. And then for the last, was it 12 years? Yes, I've been one of the owners, majority owners of Calibers, shooting ranges. So, you know, it's interesting when everybody says, oh, are you going to protect our Second Amendment rights? Well, we've been trying to protect them you know, 10 years ago, 10 days ago, and we'll still be trying to protect Second Amendment rights in the state of Mexico 10 years from now. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at today. I have my beautiful wife. of We're going to go be going 26 years, two amazing kids. And um, then we're going to start this journey going down governor. And, and by the way, um, 
I do, I do have to say when we quit this, the run for Senate, I quit mm -hmm. it because I made a promise okay. uh, at the, at the pre-primary, I had made a promise and I had campaigned with the fact that if I didn't finish in the top two, I would not split the vote. And I ended up coming in third, I think like 12, 14 votes right behind Mark Ronchetti. Sure. But I, you know, I, I thought it has to start somewhere with the Republican party that we keep our promises and that we sh that we try and bring this party together. So at that point, even though we could have got on and we had the votes to go on and the signatures, mm -hmm. I decided to do the right thing to step aside and let Elisa and, and Mark go after it. So, sure. but, but you're right though. We did, we got a huge, a lot of name recognition. So when, when last year, when the governor just started basically taking away all of our, all of our civil liberties, I was asked if I would consider running for governor and through, because I do have experience starting and running businesses in the medical field also and second amendment rights. And I think people know now that I am not afraid to stand up to her, you know, or stand up for what's right. So that's where we're at today. Now I'm here with you fine gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Well, th yeah, and we appreciate it, man. Um, so, all right. So let's talk. Um, yeah. Governorship. What's going to happen here? So, uh, last for uh, this past Friday, I guess we rec we recorded like twenty uh, additional deaths. Okay, it's the longest single day total in like months. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't hear. I hear rumblings about the reimposition or the continuation of the emergency health orders. Um, we're right. going to be coming up on that here in the next couple of days and stuff like that. Um, we're just going. I'm just going to let you riff on oh, the emergency okay. health orders. Uh, what do you think? Um, you know, what do you, as governor, obviously, what would you do differently than what has already been done over the last 18 months? Well, I'll tell you what you, um, I heard a speech by Governor Christy Noman, and, and I talked to her personally when the Republicans had their convention in Amarillo, and it's pretty, um, eye-opening on what she said um as she told me she flat out she goes louis she goes everybody thinks i did this amazing thing everybody thinks that i did this incredible thing that i i was fighting the system she goes all i did was talk to the state attorneys and i i did what the state constitution allowed me to do imagine that a governor actually allowing the citizens of her state to be responsible for their own health uh, citizens of the state being responsible for their own businesses. Um, you know, I, I could tell you something I won't do as governor. So if this ever comes up again, I will never close this state down ever. Uh, I truly feel that all small businesses are essential and you don't pick, it's not, it wouldn't be my job and it's not her job to pick winners and losers. So, and what I mean by that is that we lost 40% of our small businesses, but she allowed for big box stores to stay open when everybody and knows. Expand. Small, yes. And expand. <laughs> Right. And if you just do the simple math, if they allow a thousand people in a day, which is just, I mean, on the low side, through all the box stores in the state, she's allowing over a million opportunities for cross-contamination for COVID. But yet, as small businesses, we won't get a million in people in all of our stores combined in a year. So um, being in healthcare, I also see what happens when you mandate masks. The, the interesting thing about it is they're like, well, masks, we need to wear masks. The problem is probably 90% of the whole population doesn't wear a mask right. When we're in the hospitals, we wear clean masks every single time, mm -hmm. every single patient. Anytime we see a patient, we change our mask. We also get N95s. We also get fitted for masks. So, I mean, mask, best case scenario is 30% effective. You know, yeah. so I, they're doing more harm than good. And let us control our own businesses. I can control if I allow 
100 people in calibers or if I only allow 20 people in calibers. So I think that we as citizens of New Mexico need to take this state back. Um, I don't think anybody should ever be mandated to have to take a vaccine. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And I've been completely honest with everybody. I, I did get uh, vaccinated. And the mm -hmm. reason I got vaccinated, though, is because I probably see about 150 to 200 people in cardiology clinic a month. Mm -hmm. And so, and just because of that, and most of my patients have, are, have heart failure or some kind of cardiomyopathy. So, you know, but there's members of my family who aren't vaccinated and it's, it's their choice. It's yeah. their choice. And same, same thing I tell my friends, it's their choice if they want to take it or not. Cause this is my issue. You guys, as of this time last year, no, no I think they're barely starting to put any vaccines in humans at all. And now it's supposed to be the slice thing, best thing since sliced bread. And I just, and I know you guys have heard the same interview between Biden and Kamala Harris when they both were anti-vax because it was under Trump last year. But now they want to force people to take this vaccine. So well, and that's the thing. I mean, for them, it's a political issue. Exactly. It really has no basis in reality because quite frankly, the more we learn about the virus, the, the less dangerous it became over the course of the last two years. And the more we learn about the vaccine, all we keep seeing is how ineffective it is. Right. It prevents neither you know, infection or transmission, but everyone wants to run around and blame it on crazies like me who look at it and go, no, nah, I'm not going to get that. Yeah. You know, so so it's it the data doesn't add up. It just doesn't no. add up. No matter how you look at it. Even when they talk about how 91% of the cases in the hospitals in New Mexico are amongst the unvaccinated. Well, the problem with that is they're not even you know, they include people who unvaccinated as people who have either gotten one shot windows. or have gotten two shots right. and haven't gone 14 days and as we kind of beat up on Scrace and I'm happy to do it again uh, in the last show, you know, they asked him how many of those people that accounted for and it was just a bunch of uh, i don't right. know so that's what we're getting from our governor and the and that administration right now and it's pretty much the same on a national level it's very absolutely it's, it's, it's highly frustrating well sean you, you know what's also frustrating is the fact that i talked to state representatives this last two weeks we have the only governor who still has her emergency powers <laughs> they and and they had the votes to strip her emergency powers and apparently um, the Democrats who are going to vote to strip over emergency powers and just, you know, for the action member. God, imagine that the legislature actually being the legislature instead of, yeah. you know, us having a queen. Democrats got pulled back into a room, had the vote and the vote failed and she kept her powers. So which, which is, doesn't bode well for like no. the 15th. Right. <laughs> it, well, and well, and there's so many rumors about, you know, well, why is she looking to close us down, you know, on the 15th or the 20th? Everybody knows she's getting married. So and but the rules don't apply to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. It only applies if you're a conservative or if you don't want to get vaccine vaccinated mm -hmm. or if you don't want to be wear a mask. But when Deb Holland has her wedding, nobody's wearing masks and they didn't check vaccine cards. So it's it's not a fair playing field. We need to make, you know. As you guys know, we could go off for four hours and tell everybody what's the matter with this state. But I think we need to talk about how we fix this state yeah. uh, more off because everybody knows we have one of the worst governors in the whole United States. So, Well, and I think that's part of the conversation. I mean, obviously, there's the issue. Otero County Commission had a special meeting on the 9th, and they discussed the county's approach to any future public health mandates. Um, right. they, they approved a resolution opposing any sort of public health orders 
and they called them unconstitutional. Now it's come back and everybody says, no, no. And we've been through that in the courts. And I right. think that's a frustration, even when Thaddeus talks about how, you know, this federal mandate will get defeated in the courts. A lot of people are looking at the way the courts have behaved and they're saying, will it? You know, well, do we do yeah. we have any faith in the justice system anymore? Because we've had, you know, multiple attorneys on this show. I've spoken to multiple attorneys elsewhere, and there is not a lot of faith in the justice system anymore, particularly here in the state. Right, particularly in this state, because Lord knows that you you know we our, our courts are loaded now with progressive judges. I mean, geez, all we have to look is the crime issues that we have in this state. Mm -hmm. The fact where um, was it just last week a criminal was charged with first degree murder. Judge let him out on his own recognizance, no bail, and he, they put a ankle monitor on him. And guess what? He cut it off. Imagine that. It's like, hey, we're <laughs> trusting you to come back here and come to court so we can sentence you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so it's just, um, I mean, you guys were just a mess. And that's the problem with New Mexico is that, you know, we are completely the definition of insanity here. We are. We do the same thing every single time. And it's interesting. I've had uh, big talks with members of my own family with the fact that, well, why do you vote for the same people? Well, they all do the same thing. It's like, well, of course they do because we send the same people up there and we expect for a different result to happen. And it just right. doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I mean, in particularly, you know, we're we're trying to reach out a little bit more to people from the South, which is, you know, you know, to to to, to ask these questions. They, I mean, they are a very they're a huge contributor to the GDP of the state between yes. natural, you know, um, yeah, energy and dairy and and the like. And yeah, we had Christina Arnold on, and they just feel like no one's listening to them, right. not at all. And it doesn't matter how many times they've gone in front of the judiciary to get, basically get a redress of some sort of grievance from this and stuff like that. They right. they just get ignored. Case in point here, we now have PNM owned by a Spanish conglomerate, energy conglomerate, who has had a history um, because we're we're corralling corralling toward this great reset. We're like we must have renewables, 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 renewables. We don't have to look that far to see what a over-reliance on renewables <laughs> does. Yeah. All you yeah. got to do is go to Texas, which is right. like one of our biggest oil producers and what they went through. In yeah. Maine, they, uh, ever since they've basically allowed this avant-garde, um, I can't pronounce the other side of it, uh, take over their municipal power or at least their regional power, um, they've had more outages now than they've had before. Why? Right. Because of this over-reliance on these renewable energy mandates that are inevitably going to cause even more problems. It's like you said, this definition of insanity is like, well, we will we'll do what California does because, you know, we're progressive oh, and we great. love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. That's great. Yeah. yeah that's that's great. worked out well for California, hasn't it? With everybody moving from California to Texas. <laughs> so. Right. Right. And then it worked out well for Texas who kind of drunk a little bit of that Kool-Aid in West Texas right. by building all these, you know, windmills right. and not understanding that it's a very intermediate power source. You're going to need some sort of backup. You don't, it's, it, it's, I, I, I think it's madness. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this kind of merger PNM and, or acquisition of PNM by this avant-garde group. There's people don't like the way it smells. I don't know if you have anything or any thoughts on that. Well, I do, and, and you know, you you always know how bad it smells when the media is is so in favor of it, and it's getting hmm. so much popular opinion from 
the local media here in the state, right? Because they're the big deal is, well, they're going to invest 200 million in future technologies. Well, great. Well, guess what? Our oil and gas industries contribute 3 billion a year to New Mexico, 40% of the state budget and it's over 700 million goes to education. <laughs> how, yeah. how do we replace that? You know, and, and then the governor's sitting there telling us, it's like, oh, well, we're going to replace all these oil worker jobs with good paying green energy jobs. Well, Maybe I'm naive, but I haven't seen exactly a lot of windmill factories or solar panel factories um, coming up here in New Mexico. And I, I was just down south, y'all. And, um, you know, and everybody keeps asking me, well, are you for oil? And how about the how about the environment? Well, you know what? I guess what? I am an oil and gas guy because you don't bite the hand that feeds you, especially that much for your budget. You just don't. There, everybody knows there's going to be a transition. Um, but you have to transition. You just don't cut it off at the knees, especially when it's so valuable to the state. And one of the oil guys I was talking to said just in oil workers, and they're talking about drillers, pipe fitters, welders, water people, containment, 66,000 six-figure jobs. And if you're looking at the whole southeast part of New Mexico that contributes to everything that makes that Permian Basin work, it's 122,000 people that could be out of work that she's looking at putting out of work we will never replace that ever um and, and you said personal experience that so just real quick my son goes to Abilene christian university he sat there for a week and a week and a half without any power in his dorm we finally just told him to come home it was that bad and they couldn't get any like literally everything shut off everything shut off and so he finally just ended up just driving home from this texas Right. It's right. Texas. Exactly. It, it's this. It's it, the, the the cultish nature of this green energy is. It's almost as cultish as I as they are affectionately known on the program, the branch Covidians. Yeah. Yes. And you know, and that's not mine. Like I've heard that somewhere, but it's very <laughs> clever. And they they're they're going to they're just having us careen toward this. Exactly. And like when the you know like and and you break down like why things went wrong in Texas and it's because this grid the grids are not built for these renewable sources and right. until we up the use of you know I don't know nuclear or until we up you know we figure out how to build these giant gigawatt battery backup factories which ended up have their own issues particularly yeah. in cold weather you're you're never going to build a reliable enough grid and i i just think it's complete madness and when we get to next summer when these cuz these mandates are going to start you know these mandates right. for renewable energy for pnm are going to go into overdrive here soon <clears throat> and of course Sean can attest to this they they've been wanting to close uh, the coal the coal producing you know an, mm -hmm. energy producing coal mm -hmm. uh, plant up there in his neck of the woods for years and they oh, uh, and i yes. think they're going to finally get their way right Hey Sean, how much did they put it? They put in what uh, the city put in twenty million into the Four Corners um, power plant to try and get it to yeah. to burn to burn clean, and they got it there, and they're still they got close it there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's still it doesn't close matter. It down. And this right. is just the absurdity of everything that we see. Whether we're talking about now, you know, the governor is signed on to this uh, thirty thirty initiative, <sighs> where she's well, going to preserve. Yeah. 30% of public land from development over the next decade, which is, it's just more of them, you know, encroaching on the ability of New Mexicans and Americans in general to produce anything here. And this is where I say, at some point you have to look at this and you have to say, well, is this incompetence or not? 
if it's not incompetence, these things that they're doing that are destroying our ability to create power, jobs, and everything else for ourselves, then they're doing it on purpose. Right. Well, and Sean, it's just pure incompetence. I mean, look what happened up in Farmington six years ago when they, um, you know, oil and gas was booming. As you know, you couldn't come up 550. Mm -hmm. All you'd see was just wells going up and, uh, you know, and, and, but Farmington was just exploding. Everything, sportsman's warehouse, Chick-fil-A, everything, sleep number. I mean, I mean, housing was going ballistic. Everybody was moving up there. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, oil and gas goes away and you saw what happened in Farmington, Bloomfield, and Aztec yep. area. They, I mean, Halliburton pulls out, ConocoPhillip pulls out. They lose 2,400 jobs. They start losing doctors. It's, um, you know, the, the, the oil fields out there built San Juan Hospital to what it is today. They had one yep. of the top cardiology programs in, in the state, which is mm-hmm. amazing for Farmington. So, you know, you don't get in the way of progress. You don't. You, you know, we all know there's, there there's going to be a transition. There probably is. But that is, you're right. Why aren't we... Instead of put giving all this money to a foreign entity, why aren't we investing in ourselves and actually building? If they want clean energy, I mean, this isn't, you know, the nuclear power plants at Three Mile Island. These are new state-of-the-art nuclear power plants where we actually have uranium mines in New Mexico. And we could produce jobs and we could produce clean energy. It doesn't make sense. And I, I guarantee you the good people of the Four Corners would be just jumping at that. It's, it's, wow. um, I don't understand what she's, you know, what she does. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, these I'm are ranting. the, these are the same. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I we're loving it. We're loving it. Stuff. We're loving it. I get passionate about this stuff. <laughs> so let's keep going. <laughs> I mean, well, let's, let's kind of, you know, we say we want to find solutions. And I think sure. part of what a lot of New Mexicans are looking for, especially me when it comes to any sort of gubernatorial candidate, okay, what I'm going to look at is what are they doing now? Because we don't have time from what I see, to wait around. Whether you're talking about these vaccine mandates, whether you're talking about the restrictions on businesses, at some point, there has to be major pushback. The courts have not done their job, according to a lot of people. So, you know, that's kind of my question to you when we talk about solutions, is what what do we need to be doing right now? What do you think New Mexicans ought to be doing in the moment to push back against this? Because many people have reached their breaking point. Well, you know, I... What can we do right now? You know, it's going to be interesting because um, we need to come together as a community and it's going to start this November. Okay. So right now, if you think about it, we have two months until the next elections and we need to start putting in people who are actually going to fulfill their promises to the citizens of this state. And what I mean by that is that this is one thing that gets me upset, Sean, and I saw this when I ran for the Senate, is that you get... You get all these candidates sitting on a soapbox and, you know, preaching to these citizens how they're going to keep fighting for New Mexicans and they're going to keep they're always going to have their best interests. All of a sudden they lose a primary or they don't win their election and they just go vapor, vapor. You know, last summer when some of the candidates who I campaigned with were going around making promises to New Mexicans that I'll keep fighting for you. We're going to put New Mexico first and all of a sudden then they just go away when they could have put their big names behind this and behind some of these movements that, that are going forward. And as you guys have seen, these rallies aren't, some of these rallies aren't small at civic Mm -hmm. Plaza. We had a small business rally. We had 1500 people there. So I think we need to, we need to make sure that they know that 
this November, they're going to get taught a lesson up in the state legislature for the positions that we have opened up. And next November, we need New Mexicans to be involved. But how we get people involved is that we actually need conservatives to start going into places where they don't want to go into. You know, it's it's easy to go get Republican votes down in Eddie and Chavez County. Mm -hmm. But how about the 500,000 votes that are in the South Valley or South Central or the West Mesa? No Republicans ever go there. Yeah. And play and play it to those cultural values when you go to the South Valley. I'll tell you guys what, you, you know, we already know how the Democrats are going to play this election. We know it. they played they played it in 2008, 2010, 12, every year there's elections. And we refuse to think that they're going to play by the, those rules. And what are those rules? They call us as conservatives. And, you know, I just that is your black. I'm obviously Mexican. But they do. Right. They call us racist, white supremacist, that we are all people of privilege. And wow, yeah. you know what? We need to go in and instead of playing defense and being on being on our heels, we need to start playing offense and actually calling them out for what they are. They do. So how do we get back? We start making sure that people are educated. Sean, we go into these neighborhoods and I went into the South Valley. I already had a rally in South Valley and I showed the people in the South Valley exactly what their representatives were voting for. Hispanics have never, ever voted for abortion. But yet they put the same people in office and they didn't realize that their representatives had actually voted for third term abortions. They actually didn't know that the representatives, you know, were the ones that keep New Mexico um, taxing so their Social Security. They thought it was Republicans. So we need to educate. In a state that Republicans haven't technically controlled on a legislative level for long 90 time. years. They know. <laughs> but that's our fault, though, you guys. That's our fault. You know, so, yes, I am going into there. And, and, you know, I and honestly, it's no big deal for me to go into those places because um, yeah, my, my whole family's still there. So I'm just going to see my aunts and uncles and my cousins, you know, so I am. That's what I'm doing. I'm, um, how are we going to win, Sean? Um, you had asked that question. How are we going to bring this home? I am. You know what? I'm going to go find those votes. I am. I'm going to go find those votes because I represent 50 percent of this population, which is Hispanic in New Mexico. And both of you guys know it's time for truth in this party and truth on these elections, you guys. And, you know, and um, out of out of uh, half of this population, I probably represent the way 99 percent of them are all brought up. And I'm going to go into I'm going to go into these sections of this state where no Republican has gone. And and, you know, what? I'm just gonna, we're going to educate and we're going to build a movement like we already have. And we're going to bring this thing home, I guarantee. Yeah. But this thing has to start this November from the mayor election on. We have to. And if we don't, because if we don't, our crime's going to be the worst in the nation. Education's going to be the worst in the nation. And we're just going to be, you know what? It's just going to keep going and going and going. So, well, and it is going to just keep going and going. And it's, you know, when you say that, you know, people need to get offensive, you know, in the Republican Party, which I think <laughs> in general, in general, in general, people who believe in freedom need to start stepping up for this. Right. And, you know, all, all honesty, I'm not a Republican. I will never be a Republican. I don't assign to parties. Um, but it's but it's like when you see that and we talk about everything, again, I'm going to reference people back to the episode that we did with Aaron Clements. The things that she showed us in regards to the election and the statistical impossibilities involved therein, they need to be hammered on. And, yep. and what a lot of people are saying is, what is the point of voting until you get that figured out and that fixed. Right. This is why this country, this state, and everything else is in such a bad situation is because they just want to say, well, 
you know, January 6th happened. So let's just always ignore it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let's ignore it now. You know, and like, and like, you know, good old W got up there yesterday and wanted to compare everyone who was at the Capitol that day to Al Qaeda flying Al-Qaeda. airplanes into buildings. Right. And, and it's weird for me as someone who was never supportive of W never, not once I voted for him. And then I said, well, that was a dumb idea. And I watched this whole thing fall apart over the years. And it's like, I'm finally seeing people recognize how silly those decisions were, but, and now it's, now it's too late, but now the Republican party, sir, wants to, the large majority of the establishment would like to just ignore it. Absolutely. They would like to ignore it. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why, you know, that's why I, I mean, I am considered an outsider on this because I don't agree with a lot of the direction the Republicans Party going is going mm-hmm. because we've gone the same direction. And, you know, and the interesting thing is that we always nominate these people to run in this state and then we get waxed in every election. And then we always wonder why. And then what do we always say, gentlemen? We always say, oh, it's going to be different next time. It's gonna, Oh, our message is going to be different next time. You know, it's interesting um, because I brought up uh, that issue with going and getting these votes, uh, you know, a lot of Hispanic votes in this state. And I was like, well, how are you guys going to do that? And it's like, oh, well, we're going to get to them with our message. It's like it's just white noise. That's all it is. It's a nebulous way of basically saying, well, what are your what is your concrete plan to get that message to the quote unquote Hispanic voters that you need to reach? Right. And, and, you know, and it's um, and I don't I don't know how this is coming across because I'm not meant to I'm not saying it's, I'm just going to run on my last name. I'm not. I'm definitely qualified for this. You know, I run a 14 million dollar business with my medical, you know, the calibers were, you know, we're almost at that also. But I have the passion to run this. And, you know, this is going to be a campaign of just common sense. And how are we going to do that? I'm literally going to do what any of you would do. I'm going to go through every, my first month, I'm going to go through every department we have in this state. And you know what? Excuses are like, you guys know what? Everybody has one. And if you're, if you're doing your job mediocre, you're gone. Because if somebody's working for me that's mediocre, I fire them. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason we should have people in these positions for 20, 30 years just for political appointees because the state suffers. We're going to not defund the police, but we're going to refund the police and give them the, you know, the facilities and the equipment that they need to go do their job. We're going to give them the back their um, their qualified um, immunity back. They can't do their job scared. They just can't do that. We're going to send the National Guard down to the, you know, to the southern border and secure our border. Heck, we leave it. You know, they always talk, well, how about the humanity? Well, how about the humanity of the fact that we, you know, we leave the country in child poverty? you know, or unemployment. Where's that humanity? You know, we can't take care of anybody else's kids if we can't even take care of our own. So, um, and then of course, you know, we're going to focus on jobs. One, one thing I'd like to do, honestly, is I'd like to take a look at how we spend our, our permanent fund. Right now, our whole permanent fund is invested in out-of-state out of um, companies. Well, why don't we invest in in-state companies or actually make it attractive for them to come here by reducing our gross receipts tax by taking down our regulations. You know, what gets me mad is the fact that we had Tesla and they left to California and then they just left California and they drove through New Mexico to get to Texas, to mm-hmm. put their headquarters at Texas. Hewlett Packard just did the same thing. Oracle just did the same thing. But why would they stop here? You know what I mean? We don't yeah, make yeah. it attractive because 
just a quick story. So with one of my companies I worked for, um, the COO came here, loved New Mexico. We took them all up the state, took them to Farmington, Roswell, Albuquerque. We're sitting at El Pinto. I remember that. And he, uh, he said, why aren't we here? Why are we in Minnesota? He goes, it's freezing in the winter, blazing in the summer. And, and he goes, you guys have land, water, and the resources. Like, great. And we're going to build a brand new plant. Um, Six-figure jobs building the first MRI safe pacemakers in the world. Called us a week, week later. They would never let me go to New Mexico. You guys are overtaxed, overregulated, of course. Worst in crime, last in education, blah, blah, blah. So they just they put that whole manufacturing plant in Tempe, Arizona. That's Ouch. what we lose out on every single time. And it's time that somebody finally stands up and, and does something about it. You know, it's the nice thing about me, though, Sean, you'd ask me, makes me different a little bit, is um, I don't have lobbyists. I don't have people. You know, I have my family. And I know how business runs in this state. And that's what I do for a living. I go get business. And, and with that, I also don't put up with mediocre performances from employees. If, if you're not going to do the job, there's always somebody else who will. So that's what we do. We just treat small businesses the way they should be treated. And we take care of who's taking care of us, which is, as of right now, it's the oil industry, the horse racing industry, the, even our auto dealerships. Everything she closed we're, we're like three quarters of our whole state budget. Yeah. So sorry, I'll quit rambling. No, no. And, and you know, <laughs> and, and again to that, you know, we have got to start thinking now, I mean, look, the way things are headed, I, I see another lockdown coming now. I could be crazy, but I haven't had a track record of being crazy over the last year. Um, I, I think we're going to see another lockdown and Particularly what, this winter, yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you think businesses should do in that situation? Don't, I don't lock down. Be, just what, flat out defy it. To justify it. I mean, she can't afford to lose us. I can tell you this: we will not shut down again. We won't. We got fined before. We had state police at our place. I, I took a yeah. couple of the cease and desist personally. You know, she can't afford to do it. She can't, and she knows it. We already lost forty percent of our small businesses. What she wants to lose the other forty. You know, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Again, this is why to me dealing with some of these other issues that people have tried to push under the rug are so important because none of these people, whether you're talking about Biden or MLG, they're not behaving as though they need to get reelected. Right. Oh, they're behaving as they're, they're behaving as though it's a shoe in. Right. And that's disturbing. I, oh, I can't I can't remember any time in my life where I saw politicians get that weird, you know, and elected officials where they were just like, well, you know, we're just going to do yeah, what this like, is and we don't the, care. Yeah, they get, right. the closer they get to elections, the more tyrannical they sound and divisive they sound. That's typically not what happens in an election right. year. It would right. be s- political suicide for her to continue with these emergency orders. Well, but there's no consequence. Right. Well, and you know why though that is, and Sean is because they're expecting for us as conservatives to run the same kind of milk toast candidate that we've ran against them before. You know, um, I mean, she is, you know, when, when she gets three quarters of a million dollars from Planned Parenthood and George Soros is going to give her a million dollars and such, she knows that the only way we're going to take our state back is this is going to have to be a grassroots effort mm-hmm. and where we need to remind people we they can't forget what they went through. They can't forget 
that if you guys remember last Christmas and Thanksgiving, we were all standing in line. We were in food was, lines. Yeah, we were in food lines while she was eating $200 a pound ground beef at, at the mansion. We need to make sure people remember. And the nice thing about my job, gentlemen, is that I travel the whole state. I'm, I'm you know, shoot, just for work. I'm in Rio Doso and Roswell and Farmington. And I talk to all these small business owners and people are mad. But, and I keep telling them, just remember that. Remember what you went through and what she did to your business. You know, because it's, you know, and the interesting thing is when people who've never ran a business or started a business don't know what they're talking about. Like when she said, well, just turn your lights back on. Well, it doesn't work yeah. that way. Right. As you guys know, a small business, you carry a 60 to 90 days um, rainy day fund. We just, you know, well, yeah, we turn our lights back on after six months, not 60 mm -hmm. or 90 days. We're still paying mortgage and insurance and we're still trying to pay our employees and, you know, capital. All right. Guess what? And when Joe and Jane Smith go and finally get their job and their first paycheck, they're not coming to Calibers. They're paying their mortgages. They're paying their insurance. They're paying their kids' schools. So I will never shut down this state. I can make that promise ever because, you know, it's just it's just not right. So well, I guess I'm right. going to hold you to it. Is it with with calibers Absolutely. especially with calibers especially if they shut it down, they lock you down again, and they come to take you to jail. What are you doing? <laughs> I guess I, I'm going to do the same thing I did last time. I'm just going to tell her to go pound sand. Actually, I didn't tell her to pound sand. I told her to yeah. kiss my something else. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm I mean, trying, but I'm yeah, to be politically I, I, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, Don't I, try I, too I hope hard. so. No, yeah, no, I, I, I've got yeah. no patience for it. At this. Well, yeah, no, no, it's just like at Calibers right now. Right. People want to wear masks. Wear masks. We're not the mask police. You know, yeah. that's what we Thank tell you. our employees. Thank yeah. you. It's just we're not. It's your. It's your choice. And so we told our employees too. It's like if you guys want to wear them, wear them. If you don't, don't. Yeah, yeah you know, and it, oh yeah, I don't understand what was so hard about having that. That stands, right? I mean, right. we just we just had Backstreet Grill. Um, of course, we had the owner, um, one of the operators, on you know, early on in the days of this program, and like, all right, they exhausted all measures. I mean, right. and when we went and we talked to the employees, we talked to the owner himself, and he was just like, "I don't, I'm not telling them not to. I'm not telling them right. not to do anything. I'm not even telling my customers not to, right?" right? But it was just the it, the because they were defiant. And verbally so, and, and and very loud, they just litigated them out of existence. And then right. when they when they closed down that Sunday, the order came down to shut off their power and water. It's like you already yeah. won. You'd already. Right. It's vindictive, right? There's something yeah. about it that's vindictive. Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, and and as I said before, we're literally. But this is what we need the citizens in New Mexico to understand. They are taking away our civil liberties. Well, they're not even taking them. We're giving them away. Most citizens are just handing them over. And as you gentlemen know, it's once the government gets them, they're not going to give them back. No. They never Patriot do. Act. Yeah. yeah. Mil the, authorization it, for the use of military force. Is it force? Right. Remember all they're, those things that are still in still in place today. Exactly. So there we go. Well, and and it's you know I think it's important for people to remember that you know you bring up the idea of whether your employees wear masks or not, and this applies across the board. And regardless of what Joe Biden says, it is about freedom, right? You know, it's yeah. it is about our personal freedom because in this country, if if I would like to, I should be able to take a vaccine. Right. If I don't want to take a vaccine, I shouldn't have to. If I want to go to McDonald's and order fifteen quarter pounders. And, and eat all of those along with a 12-pack of beer 
and smoke, you know, I don't know how many packs of cigarettes I smoke a day, but it's too much and just <laughs> turn into a complete fat mess and die. That's that's on me. And and guess what else? If I want to take ivermectin, I should be allowed to do that as well. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and, and it's interesting because now the whole, you know, national media spin is like, well, if they don't get a vaccine, maybe we shouldn't treat them in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And Sean, you just said it. If what are we going to do? If, if somebody's out eating 12 Big Macs a day and they get heart disease, we shouldn't treat them. Or if they're smoking, we shouldn't treat them for lung cancer. I mean, that's just it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous how they're running this and it's ludicrous how they're treating us. They're treating us like children, not mm-hmm. like as adults. And but I'll tell you what, I said it before we better stand up because, you know, at some point we're not going to be able to get it back. And it's just like, I use the Venezuela um, effect. You know, everybody loved it when the, everybody's getting huge government checks. When uh, Chavez took over all of a sudden those checks went from $2,000 a month to $1,200 a month to a thousand to seven fifty, And then we get to what Obama said at the end of it, what are you complaining about? It's free, mm-hmm. you know, and then they come and take our guns and then guess what? Then, then you start, uh, riding in the streets and protesting in the streets while well, the Venezuelans were throwing rocks, the government was throwing back bullets. Mm-hmm. So we need to wake up. We need to wake up as a state and a country and defend what's rightfully ours. You know, because people like my brother, my father, my uncle, they, they, yeah, I mean, they fought for these freedoms. They did. So, Mr. Sanchez, thank you for coming on. I think that's a great place to just cut it and end it. That had a little Perfect. bit of inspiration. Not too many black pills. That's where we try to try to stop here. So, but uh, where can where can people reach out and contact you? Well, thank you. Yeah. So every, every, my uh, website is louisanchezforgovernor.com. Um, and just please go to my site. Look at who I am. Uh, the the interesting thing is uh, I'm kind of a good sales rep. So if if you ever see me come by, I'll give you a card. I actually put my cell phone on it and I answer it. <laughs> so it's uh. You know, I listen, I'm just upfront with a lot of things and I know that I am, um, you know, I know I'm a political outsider, but I think that's positive. Um, but if you'll go to Louis Sanchez for you're going to know exactly who I am. Please send me messages. And thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. I really Absolutely. appreciate you guys. Man, hey, no appreciate problem. you having you on. Thank you for coming. Take care, gentlemen. All right. Bye-bye. Baco, what are we doing? Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, we are. Well, first, go support Calibers, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> we should we should be reaching out to Louis and Calibers to see if they wouldn't yeah. want to support New Mexico Rising as a thing, right? I just if you, if you have any ammo, if you have any ammo. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, uh, so we have what September nineteenth is the next show we have, and that will be Ethel Maharg. Maharg, you guys know how to say her name? I have no idea. Well, she's running for governor, and we want to figure out how to pronounce her name as well yes. as everything else about her. Um, another gubernatorial candidate, which, I, you know, I like hearing as a voter. I like hearing from all these uh, potential future governors. Well, that's the way it is. Sometimes it's like I was on, you know, doing the show last night, the other show and uh, talking to a friend of mine from Australia. And I didn't do much prep because sometimes it's just better to just ask stupid questions. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we figure yeah. out, we, I didn't know a ton about Louie. I learned a lot about Louie yeah. today on this show, right? It's pretty nah, good. No, nah, man. Um, De- definitely. Definitely a good guy. Do you guys have anything else? Anything you want to shill? Oh, our, oh, yeah. That's right. That This is, this is my sign here. Ah, yes. Yes. There we go. Bad's <laughs> glowy box thingy. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I can't even do the dorky voice for it right now. I just, you guys should go check these out. They're pretty cool. They'll spice up your house, spice up your room. Go get you a Thad's glowy box thingy and be the cool kid in your classroom. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for that. That's you can be the you can be the cool kid in your classroom. You might even be the cool kid in the gulag if this. Oh, <laughs> we, we, uh, we need to start writing these ads down. You know. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was I was waiting for the meme. I guess we're not. Oh, that yet. oh, boom! Oh, oh, that there you go. So, make sure you tune in every Wednesday at eight p.m. and Sundays at one p.m. Uh, Wednesdays we're a little bit more free willing. Uh, it's a little bit of a radio pirate radio, as they say. We're gonna run it there until we have to go to the ham radio, and yeah. then uh, Sundays we come and try to be respectful, respectable, and respectful, more so than maybe Wednesdays. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Oh, oh no! Oh, and make no. sure, make sure you remember, we had the most, the most secure election yes. of all time, of yeah. all time. Don't you ever million. doubt it? Eighty-one yeah. million. Eighty-one million. All right, take most us out popular of here. president of all. Ever. Time. Thanks for watching, everybody. Appreciate um, where, you. Where's our stuff? Let's, hold on, guys. I should be better. You can find it. You can, it. Yeah. you can do it. You can do it, You got it. Come on, Bakken.